Our God has been so wild lately. He doesn't seem to listen, he doesn't obey my commands, and we can't even bribe him with treats. He's gotten so out of hand, he may even have to be put down. God is not the problem here. The problem is the people who want to be the leader of the pack. We reintroduce God. We retrain people. You're listening to The God Whisperers. to the world-famous God Whispers. I'm Craig D'Onofrio. I'm Bill Swirla. We've got an action-packed, exciting day for you. White hot, God <laughs> Whispers. Action. White hot. Yes, that's yeah. right. I've, I've got my asbestos gloves on to handle this one. This is just hot. You know, Bill, I, I am uh, still, I, I'm working up the nerve to, to uh, just head into a public restroom and go into a stall and... <laughs> oh, you got the flarp out again, huh? And, and just just have at it for about twenty minutes or so. You know, I thought that we I thought that we dipped a little bit in taste and uh, and civility there, and I was hoping that we'd be able to elevate it again. But th- <laughs> those hopes are completely dashed now. I I I just you know here's the problem. You want to be able to videotape something like that, people's reactions to someone just in there just tearing it up. But it'd be really creepy in a bathroom to videotape anything. <laughs> that's that's the only problem. <laughs> yeah, there are some rules about public restroom etiquette. Yeah. One, no videotaping. Yeah, no, no, that's right. Out. Two, no conversation. Uh, once you get to the sinks, it's okay to comment on the fact that you can never go the distance with the blow dryer things. <laughs> but aside okay, from that, so, so so sink conversation is appropriate certain topics. Uh, yeah, very superficial sink. No sink conversation. conversation at the urinal. No, unless you want to reenact that famous scene from uh, Boston Legal, where Denny and Alan are in the bathroom, and Denny looks over and goes, "Hmm, nice stream." <laughs> <laughs> Middle-aged men are nodding; they know exactly what yes, they're talking yeah, about there. Yeah, so, yeah. how are things down in the basement? Uh, the basement, the tiki bars, the tiki dungeon. Great. We're going to call it the tiki dungeon. The tiki, the tiki dungeon, the Royal Ohana room. Fifty Shades which, of Tiki. Oh, Ohana simply means family <laughs> in Hawaiian. Let me put a, so, let me put kind of a mixed image into your head. Yeah, so we're yeah. going to do like a Fifty Shades of Tiki here. So <laughs> let's see where you can go with that. I don't that. even know where your mind goes. There half you the go. Time. But you it's got the the Royal Ohana room. Yeah, it's just the the Royal Family Room is what that translates okay. to. Okay. All right. Nice. But, uh, yeah, it's it's taking shape nicely. I've got track lighting all over the place, and uh, I'm hearing like vacuum vacuuming it's, going it's, on. It's the uh, the trash truck. It's bulk oh. trash pickup day, <laughs> and our air conditioner is out. And it's hot here, so of course I've got the windows open. Speaking but. of bulk trash, nice job by the Cleveland Cavaliers in Game oh, One gosh. of the Finals. Do <laughs> those guys know how to fire. keep score? 
No. Did you see the look on LeBron James's face when the guy yeah, dribbles he... the thing away from the basket on a rebound like he wants to kill a few seconds off the clock? Well, I didn't understand uh, <laughs> the ejection at the end of the game there. Yeah, I don't either. Uh, there must have been more things going on than we're yeah. aware of. Yeah, there had to be some some trash talk going on. Well, there was a lot of trash talk. And then he shoved the basketball into Green's face. But Green had been antagonizing them for the entire overtime. Yeah, but they they had uh, he had already been ejected before he did that. Oh, so he he, he got ejected for a foul. Oh, so so the basketball like was, was a no brainer at that point, because what can you lose when you've already been ejected? Right. Right, and it's only what you know at most. What's about ten grand fine? Uh, yeah, this is this is like I don't you know even, jump change even for those 30 guys. Thirty grand for these guys. That's care. like an hour's wages. Yeah, they don't care. You know. Uh, so anyway, yeah, I don't know the Cavs. You know the problem with 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 those those two teams is that they faced each other so often that right. they've really developed a deep animosity and hatred for one another. So this it's, is not gonna this it's not gonna be a pretty series because they've been at this. They've been there before, you know? Right, right. So anyway, and I finally made it to an Indians game the other day, which was nice. I had a parishioner who took me, and, and he had these tickets. Um, did they play in an old park or a new park? No, it's a newer park, Progressive oh, Field. Yeah, Progressive and, and, Field? Is that like Liberal Field? Progressive uh, Field? Or Insurance, one or the other. Oh, I'm Progressive sure Insurance. Which. That's that's flow. Considering it was dressed as a transvestite day, so I'm not <laughs> sure which. <laughs> And and how did you dress, Greg? I wore a Hawaiian shirt. That's always there. Okay, questionable. You know, uh, when you think about it, the Hawaiian shirt has always been progressive in so yes. many ways. Yeah, and always will be. It was ahead of its time. Yeah, eighth row, right behind home plate. Fantastic. There seats. you are in Cleveland in pro- at Progressive sweating Field, like a pig, sweating in yes. in in a in a Hawaiian shirt. Daytime game. Oh. 1 p.m. Just sweating. How's the food at Progressive? Um, don't know. Just had a had a rum and coke and about four bottles of water. So, <laughs> so you dehydrated and then you rehydrated. Yeah, yeah. You know, is you a rum and coke order. is a rum and coke kind of a stand-in tiki drink when you don't want to go tiki? Um, I don't know. I like rum, so okay. You know, it's it's kind of. I'm seeing it as kind of like the Swiss Army knife for tiki drinkers. You know, like my my standard is is a gin and tonic. Because you yeah, can't, you can't yeah. not go too wrong with a gin and tonic. Gin, gin has turned on me, though. It has. I, I used to love gin and tonics, and now if I drink gin, I get raging heartburn. I don't know what's up with that. Oh, you may not. Juniper may not agree with you. You know, I don't know. gin is just vodka. With juniper. Yeah, it's, it's basically, and other things, other quote-unquote aromatics. But once you get into aromatics, you're getting into nasty headache realm yeah, there. yeah. I do know uh, some of our friends prefer um, tonic syrup rather than tonic water oh. for gin and tonics, and they claim it, it elevates the drink. I'm, I'm willing to explore. You know, my, my new love is mezcal. Isn't that like, uh, like mushrooms? <laughs> no, 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 no. The magic mushroom. No, this is as in as in like roasted agave. It's it's oh. it's tequila with smoke, basically. Same idea. It's it's a beautiful thing. In fact, mezcal is also the general category under which tequila falls. But so that word has a right. wide and a narrow sense, like so many words in theology. There's a wide yes. and a narrow sense, like sanctification in the narrow sense, the wide sense, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah sure. But mezcal so, drunk drunk properly out of a 
copita. I don't even know what that is. It's a shallow little clay dish. Kind of like, think of like a mini, mini, mini doggy dish. So it's... So, it's because they want to enhance the nose experience because mezcal is oh, about... so a little, little more surface. A lot of surface, yes. yeah. yeah. So unlike, say, you know, a snifter or something where you want to kind of swirl it and sort of... This, you want to get your nose right up to it when you're, when you're sipping it. I, I first encountered this at uh, Rick Bayless's uh, Topo La Bampo in Chicago. Had a mezcal flight. Uh, excellent. And and it came in these little clay cups, these copitas, and uh, so I, I got me a set of those, and mm. it's it's really really it's, it's just kind of it's it's nice, but there's no room for anything. There's no add-ons here, no cube, nothing. It's just uh, you you got a shot of mezcal and uh, you kind of sip, and then I just pass out in front of the television set. That's the story of my life, right there. So this is your daily event. Yeah, yeah pretty much. <laughs> I need to get back out in the workshop. Have you discovered in in this 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 kind of home rehab that you're doing, or this this great uh, uh, tiki venture? Have you discovered the the satisfaction, the joy of working with your hands? You know, it, it is very therapeutic to see the progress coming along. You know, especially when you're doing things like laying the flooring, and and you lay. You know, you, you see that halfway point and you, you're like, oh, man, I, I've gotten a lot done here. And, and you keep going. And now it's uh, the track lighting. I've got that all up. Like yesterday, uh, I put up a whole bunch of lighting and, and then it's all working, which is oh, amazing when uh, it this works is, right. This is what I love about electricity. It's like magic. It is. So, you know, you're messing. And, the, you know, if depending on how deep you go with electrical, you, you can go with what I call the surface depth is hooking things up to a junction box. Right. Uh, the next level is putting in junction boxes and running new circuits. And then beyond that, going to your breaker box and your sub panels and that. So and I like doing all of it. But when that project comes together and you turn on the switch and the lights come on and the dimmer works and the strobe lights are working and the black lights looking good. That's like magic. Now I have been frustrated because I'm buying really cheap track lighting. Oh, you know, you, you your, can get your big mistake right there. Do well, not probably skimp, do not skimp on, but lighting. you know, the budget's tight. So yeah. you got to work with what you yeah, got. Honestly. So I've been buying these tracks there. Uh, you know, you get three heads and it's like uh, 38 bucks. Or you something go in like LED. That. Yes, I have good uh, call. Color changing LED spots in there. LEDs so are can... game changer in lighting. Oh yeah, and they don't put out any heat. No, which is nice. No, in fact, we we have converted uh, all of the lighting in our church to LED. We're still part incandescent at home, mm-hmm. but they have done so much in terms of of color rendition in oh, LED. Yeah. Because LED used to be just like that ice blue white. Yeah, that blue white. Yeah, nasty. Uh, yeah, I, I did half a Christmas harsh. tree in that one time, and boy, that that came down fast. Uh, yeah, the, the boss no. lady did not like the ice blue. I I, I thought it looked kind of wintry. I, I liked it. <laughs> you could no, re- they, you could manage to really it. warm them up now and everything. Yeah. And and so I I got these RGB bulbs, you know, red, blue, green. Yes. And, and so, you know, when I when I want to set a mood, I can. Uh, make it all red in there, or, you know, kind of mix it up a little bit, a little purple and, and red or purple and green or, you know, all that. So kind you of really stuff. are doing a kind of a 50 shades of the Royal Ohana room. More like 24 shades. 
<laughs> not quite as creative, but uh, but th- but there is there there's something wonderfully satisfying about working with your hands and seeing yeah. progress, seeing tangible material progress and things. Well, I think also taking some risk. Uh, I've always been afraid to to do certain things to a house because I've I've always kind of been of the opinion I w- I'd watch my dad where he'd say I'm going to do this, and then he just would make a wreck of it and have to hire someone and pay twice as much as what he would have paid them in the first place <laughs> right. to fix it. That's because he was a doctor. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, he could, you know, resection your bowels for you, no problem. Right. But, you know, right. so anyway. Hang, hang a window, forget it. That's not happening. Yeah, yeah. so, you know, I was, I was afraid to do certain things like, uh, you know, simple things like uh, drilling into the cinder block wall down there and that sort of thing, but uh, eh, I'm, I'm doing pretty good with it. My dad was very handy, and uh, as a result... We had almost everything at home was done by him. He totally rebuilt the basement, and uh, and you know I kind of tagged along and and learned an awful lot as a result. So I kind of take after my dad. My brother even more so. My brother is super handy, does really good work. I tend to get, I get bogged down in in the creativity. I I try to do like weird things that probably shouldn't be done, and end up having to do it twice. Rarely yeah. have to call in the pros, but a lot of times I'm sort of big on the redo, and that kills me. So I think we talked about this last time, but I'm I'm mustering up the courage to start experimenting with uh, with carving with a router. Yes, yes. Uh, have so you have you fired that puppy up yet? I, I have not yet. I have, right. I've been busy with all the other stuff, but uh, let now me I'm give you one. To get all the art up on the walls and everything else. It's it's time to start velvet velvet art. Uh, would if I could find some good oh, stuff. Velvet man, when you come out to L.A., remember the Velveteria. Yes, in downtown LA, this this is this would be like a, a religious pilgrimage for you. It would. I, I actually took a class on kind of art history class on black velvet. <laughs> I, I well, did. it, it, it awesome. started out in in the in the fine tiki Polynesian tradition with semi naked Polynesian women. Yeah, yeah, uh, you know, in Tahiti. And then it, then it progressed to, to uh, Velvet Jesus, Velvet Elvis, Velvet anything at that point. But, uh, and this guy has like a whole Velvet Jesus room. And some of it is almost iconographic in many ways. Huh. It is. I mean, you, when you look at it, there's, there's, a, there's a, a kind of a, an indigenous sincerity about these things. Even You tend to think of velvet as the stuff some guy's selling out of his pickup truck on the corner of the road. But it's not. There are layers of, of um, there, there's layers of value in velvet art, and the high the high quality stuff goes for high dollar. This is oh, yeah. it's collectible. Yeah. Why can't I think of the guy's name? Uh, starts with an L. The uh, middle aged Lee Tag. Lee Tag. Lee Tag. Mm-hmm. He was he was kind of one of the pioneers. He's well before think, you uh, before he was, you, he was the guy in uh, in Tahiti that was doing it. If I remember, I, I think I think this guy has some of his stuff. He's and and that that harkens back to Japanese silk uh, art too. That velvet is has it it has roots in in other art forms, uh, including you know painting on silk and other fabrics. So this is not an isolated genre by any stretch. But before you you fire up that router of just just um one word scrap oh yeah practice yeah. on scrap yeah <laughs> I, got, I got some cheap stuff make sawdust you know one of the things that uh, i'm trying to avoid is and no knots. rum and cokes before I, you do that i don't want to cut into a knot and have the thing just like go crazy yeah yeah kickback is kind of fun with the router usually what happens is that your bit blows apart 
And that has a lot of serious shrapnel, which leads to number two, good safety glasses, if not face shield, depending on what you're doing. I mean, I kind of look like hazmat when I'm doing it, and ear protection, too, unless you don't care. <laughs> no, I that do. That bit's I... a screamer. It is loud. And don't do, don't do it indoors. You're going to make a big mess if you do that indoors, because that throws stuff everywhere. Yeah, I was thinking about doing it kind of at the mouth of the garage. Yeah, no, no, I don't even do, I don't even do free routing in, in my workshop. I go out on the landing of the garage, and I aim it usually kind of at the neighbor's wall, and it just kind of blasts away because it tends to go in one direction. All the chips and stuff tends to fly in one direction. Also, you cool. have to have a kind of an awareness of which way the bit is going. These motors all go with a right hand, so if you take your right hand and you point your thumb in the direction of the axle, your fingers will curl in the direction of the bit. This is really important to know because you need to know which way that thing is going to pull or push when it hits wood. And you don't want to be going in the opposite direction because it will bite you. You know what I'm saying? So normally you go um, against the bit. But sometimes you do what's called climb cutting, where you go with the bit. Now, you got to be careful because you could have a racehorse on your hands. <laughs> Hang on. And light cuts. But what's nice about, uh, about that, kind of, that kind of a cut, the reverse cut, is it doesn't tear out. It's a really clean cut, but it's hard to control. So hmm. once you get good at that, if you're going to do, like, edge carving and stuff like that, and uh, once you get good at that, the, the router is exceedingly versatile. It's a great, great tool. Cool. Tons of manly fun. Yes. I have to wear a dust mask because otherwise I will. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. My allergies will just. Well, that's the other reason I like outdoors, too, because containing the micro dust from power tools is really tough. You can get the mega dust and the stuff that you need to sweep up, but right. uh, it's that micro stuff. And uh, just wearing a good dust mask is, is always good because I, I get the stuff nose. Yeah. And then I can't sleep for three days because I've got the sinus thing going. And I can't imagine that all that wood dust in your sinuses is actually healthy either. No, no. Especially when you have allergies to begin with. <laughs> well, speaking yes. of manly, do you want to go to the manly doctor's Let's mail do it. bag? The mail bag. Hey, there it is. The manly doctor's mail bag. Brought to you by Edgar Lee Tag and his black velvet paintings. Bill? <laughs> We have Black Velvet sponsors. Um, dear manly doctors and pets. Hmm. Referring to our pets. Do you have any pets right now? No, just Paula. <laughs> Wasn't ready for that. <laughs> Are you going to get another dog? Yeah, yeah. We're, we're, uh, we're, we've got You're company in the coming into town, and then we're going to, after that, look for a dog. You're in the emotional market? Yeah, yeah, I think we're we're ready. All right, this is a weird letter, and it, it, it pertains to our fundraising. And please, you know, when you go on the website, hit that donate button, and please early uh, and often, yeah, and actually no. make a donation. Don't we just appreciate it. We're using we're using equipment that is uh, courtesy or thanks to our supporters, and we're going to be adding some uh, recording equipment soon. Dear, and a jet, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. <laughs> Dear GW and Pets, just started listening to your program. Started at the latest reboot. Well, welcome. Welcome to the GW Nation. And even though I've heard about your program for years from friends and families, I'm kind of late on the scene. Hey, better late than ever, and you have 332 episodes to catch up. Good luck. Do not binge. No. No. We, we have, we have had this talk. We have stories. 
Uh, we just joined a new congregation recently, found ourselves a family of five in the middle of some kind of weird experiment. Okay, here we go. Weird experiment. Let me ex- let me explain. So we're going to explain here. Do some explaining. Yeah. A few weeks ago, our church handed out envelopes with $5 bills in them to all attendees at the worship service. Ooh, I want to go there. Um, so five bucks if you show up, huh? Our instructions were to give the money to someone, kind of a pay-it-forward thing. Just give to somebody in need and then report back the following week with what you did with the money. All right. My husband, my sons, and I, so that family of five must be three sons. I don't see daughters in there. This is how I read. I'm a very careful reader. Yes. Uh, my husband, three sons, and I. Do you watch ever show the show My Three Sons? Yes. What a great show that was. Do, 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 That's it. That's do, right. Do, do, do. I had some great visions and ideas, and we all shared how we would pay for someone's clothes at the Goodwill or give it to a homeless person. But because we're lame and we're sinners, the money sat in my purse all week, and we all completely forgot about uh, the little church experiment until the following week when the pastor asked people to come up and share their experience. Unfortunately, nobody in the following week's service had a clue as to what the whole experiment was about, so instead they all got on the microphone with random comments, prayers, and shout-outs. This is what happens. A live microphone, you put people in front of a live... (laughs) Always. This is why you never... Like funerals, never give people at a funeral a live microphone. It's just... It's what I call the live microphone syndrome. Right. So first, a woman... Don't don't give a pastor a live microphone for crying out loud. You know, underneath every pastor is an MC wannabe. Oh, yeah. You know, I don't know why we all don't just moonlight us as wedding DJs or something. Probably make more money. Well, a little side job's always handy, but uh, you could get it out of your system so you don't have to be a DJ... I don't know. Would it, would it just, host when you're doing would you the divine get it out liturgy. of your system, or would it be throwing gasoline on the fire? Good point. Good point. This could be like an alcoholic <laughs> tending bar. Right. Right. You know, we're all attention Whoa. hounds at some point. So first, a woman wished all the moms a happy Mother's Day. Oh, don't even get me started on that. Uh, the next woman awkwardly did the same thing. No creativity there. Shout out to mom. Uh, the next, the next man thought we should all pray for our country. Of course. Guess which party he belonged to, right? Uh, I'm going to go uh, constitutional party. Yeah. On that one. Then, then they gave shout outs to friends in trouble. The awkwardness was more than I could bear, so I got up and I lied. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. That's the other thing about the live microphone syndrome: embellishments. Well, so far it sounds like this person is more than qualified to be evangelical pastor. Well, the, get on a microphone and lie. But the, this about is how righteous you are. Yeah, this is this is a woman though. This is this is you know my husband, Even my three sons, and hey, it's I. Twenty first, twenty first century husband. You're assuming it's a woman. You know, I hadn't read that. I hadn't read to that level of discourse yet. <laughs> okay, I was I, clearly. I'm reading this through the lens of my presuppositions. Yes, I I feel microaggressions coming on. Here. It's coming. You you may need to go to a safe space after this. Yes, I made a story up on the fly. That isn't that what making up a story is on the fly. Where does that yeah, phrase come from? On the fly. And the God Whisperers was the quickest thing that came to my mind. That always happens, I know. (laughs) A lot of women tell me that. Um, I told all in attendance that my family gave the money to a podcast. (laughs) 
<laughs> that, that had many listeners and reached the world with the gospel. That, that wasn't, that's not ours. <laughs> a show called The God Whispers. So now I have to donate. And recently sent, sent the show all the money. Oh, that's where that came from. <laughs> <laughs> so we got 25 bucks? No, five bucks. Oh, five bucks. I was wondering who sent five bucks. Now I know. Okay, so ah. and sent the show all the money. I don't think you could send less than five bucks. Thank you. Thank you for easing my conscience and keep up the great work. A new listener, a fan, and a contributor. Wow. And thank you to that congregation who supplied the money for that donation. <laughs> we are <laughs> we are you know, very, as, very indebted. As a pastor, if if my church decided to do this. Uh, I'd probably be walking around looking for dropped envelopes after church because I, <laughs> I am my favorite charity. <laughs> yeah, we have a rule in mind. Hey, let, me, let me ask you this first. Yeah. Uh, do you receive the offering plates when they come forward? Yeah, I do. Okay. Yeah. Do you ever kind of look in them as, as just, just as, you know, what I do is I, I receive them, I bow respectfully yeah. to my ushers who may or may not show up on cue. You never know. Ushers are like the, they're the improv theater of liturgy. You, you just never know where an usher is going to pop up and what he's going to do, but they, they keep us humble. You know, you, you know, the rubrics, you know, the liturgy, you know what you're supposed to do. And then there are ushers. So, right. but the usher comes up and, and there are the plates and I get a stack of four. So they're stacked up like dirty dishes at the end of a meal. Yes. And but do you ever just kind of kind of eyeball the top just to see kind of what's in there, how big the bills are, and you know, or just are you kind of wait, you kind of feel the heft is is this a hefty offering or not? Do you ever kind of do that? Um, on occasion, I, I will admit to it. On occasion. See, it's important to me because the since the offering follows the sermon in the order of service. Right. You, it serves as kind of a Nielsen rating. <laughs> um, the only problem with that is a lot of people have already made out their envelopes and pre-stuffed it and everything. Are, are you going to electronic transfer of offerings? We've been talking about that. What, what do you think of that? I've been doing it for a long time personally. I, I just do have you? it set up with my bank, and the bank sends uh, a check every two weeks to the church. And so, I, you know, mm. especially being a pastor, because I'm the guy who always forgets to put the envelope in the plate because I'm busy doing 83 other things. Wait, wait, wait. Doesn't, the, the, doesn't the lovely Paula handle the money in your family? Sometimes. Sometimes. Yeah. Not always. I mean, she's, she's more engaged with it than I am, I admit that. <laughs> Yes, well, you're engaged in in fabricating the Royal Ohana room. That's right. Downstairs, you know. which yeah. I assume is has a little bit of change being plowed into it too. Even though you're using cheap LED lighting, but nonetheless, well, and cheap. Uh, you know, Sears Outlet just down the street. I oh. got paint for like four ninety five a gallon. It's hey. only like twenty five bucks. Perfectly acceptable. Fantastic. No, that's that's perfectly acceptable. Yeah, but you you it you kind of split the duties there, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, she is by default ended up uh, paying the bills for the most part. Yeah, that's probably wise. Uh, if it weren't for my wife, I'd be sleeping in a car. I'd be homeless. Uh-oh. I'd be I'd be sleeping in a like a 1995 uh, Impala. You know, I'm really impressed rusted. that you know for for the years that I was single there that uh, I didn't get behind on my bills. I, I'm I'm kind of shocked, but. <laughs> 
<laughs> we Apparently, all, I can be responsible when forced to be. We we all are shocked at some level. So yeah, yeah well, you can be. Um, anyway, I I get the offering plate, and and do you ever do you ever like see like loose change in there, and you kind of think what? No, I, I can't say that I've really noticed that. Yeah, I it's s- probably there, and I've just the other really the other day I looked in, and there was like like two quarters, a couple of nickels, and pennies. I'm thinking what? And then I have to assume after repentance that some child, or maybe this was a widow, and it was her last two mites. Yeah. Speaking of offering, I had an interesting experience the other Sunday. I get, I come out of church, and there's a black, late model, brand new, Rolls Royce. Whoa parked in my slot right next to the door. Actually, it's not my slot, but some people think that it is. My slot's at the end of the parking lot where nobody parks so they don't ding my car. I I have a designated pastor spot right outside the office. Do you know when I visit churches and I see that, I park in it? <laughs> well, you're a pastor. I am. Uh, I figure it's the clergy slot. But I find that uh, my, my trustee uh, tends to park there as much as I do. Oh, so I'll walk in and give he's, her. He's a, signaling. Oh, it's her. But uh, I'll give her. You a have female and, trustees. Is that permitted by the bylaws of the LCMS? Oh, I've got all sorts of nonsense going on. You, you know, wouldn't believe it. That that implies that a woman is capable of handling tools like wrenches and saws. Actually, she is much more capable of that than I am. I think. Doesn't so. that violate natural law at some point? I'm sure it does. Huh. Yeah. Wow. Gonna have to well, think. You know my house. You know that. my house has been a violation of natural law since the beginning. Yeah. Your your you know, your Rufus. house. Your house is a violation of so many laws. I'm surprised that it's still in existence. Rufus in Rufus, and of himself was an abomination. I mean, unto the just, Lord. I mean, Rufus yes. violated the laws of Leviticus. It. Uh, it truly a mixing of uh, God rest DNA his fabrics. animal soul. Yes. If we can yes, say that. He's got his little uh, golden tail right now. Oh, man. Yeah. Missed the old boy. Yeah. Well, thanks to our new listener and her congregation for the for the donation. We really yes. appreciate it. And any other congregations that are giving out money, send it our way. Um, five bucks. Letter from a listener. This is a follow-up. So we've been on long enough now that we're getting follow-up email to All our right. shows from episode 331. Uh, Manly Doctors, interesting discussion on Seminex. Mm. My pastor growing up was, I'm not going to mention the name, he was instrumental in bringing the, oh, I can't say that either. He was instrumental. He was just (laughs) instrumental. Forget you ever heard that. After I was ordained, I had an opportunity to speak with him regarding 7X era. He echoed most of what you said. Wow, there's an echo in the room. What did we say? I can't Uh, remember, but he echoed it. The other thing that we discussed was the change of our church body from being theologically conservative and socially progressive to being both theologically and socially conservative following Seminex. There seemed to be more service to the neighbor in the 1950s through the 70s. We seem to have moved away from service to the neighbor since the 70s. Don't know if you want to use this as fodder for one of your upcoming episodes. Just my two cents. Hmm. Hmm. Okay, so what do you think? Uh, you're, you're very politically minded. Yeah, I was at one time. At one time. You were once a political operative. Yeah. 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 I, you know, honestly, I wasn't a Lutheran back, back, you know, until 1991, <laughs> basically. So I, I don't know what the LCMS used to be like. We're using you know, the before I was a Christian argument here or well, just before no, I was? No, I, I, it's my argument out of ignorance. You know, those, ah. those of you who grew up with the old red hymnal, that's the blue hymnal to me because that's the one that I came into Lutheranism with. So, mm. you know, your 5 and 15 is my DS2. 
that uh, the blue hymnal. If you're referring to the venerable TLH 1941, the yep. Lutheran hymnal, and that definite article means something. It is the Lutheran hymnal. All other this hymnals is, are not Lutheran the way that know, one is. It's true. It's it's like the King James version. It is the King James of it's, hymnals. It's the it's the hymnal that Jesus used. It so is, and uh, but but that came in colors. So it came in black. It came in brown. I think there was a green version at one time, and then the I two, had a blue one. Yes, the two most common office, yeah. colors were blue and red. Right. I grew up with red. And that was not SBH, Service Book and Hymnal, another Lutheran hymnal, but not the Lutheran hymnal. And uh, a lot of congregations had blue because it went with the carpeting. Ah, but it was a darker blue. It was. and It wasn't as bright of a blue as, as Lutheran worship. Lutheran worship, LW, 1986. Not the Lutheran worship, just Lutheran worship. Just Lutheran worship. We lost the definite article. And in losing the definite article, we lost certainty. Hmm. We lost our way. Well, and now we just have Lutheran service book, not the Lutheran service book. Not, oh, definitely not, because that would be like service book and hymnal, which to Scandinavian Lutherans is the service book and hymnal for them. But we're just Lutheran mm. serv- a Lutheran service book. This for, has really been an a enlightening conversation. It is, semantics but, but well, and, and it is, all, all, everything is semantics. So, but following semantics, what do you think of this, this idea that though we retain some semblance of theological conservativism, kind of depends what you're conserving always, um, are we politically, have we, ta- are we, have we lurched to the right politically as a church body, do you think? Oh, I, I believe so. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I, I hear an awful lot of conservative Republican sentiment coming out of uh, various halls of the LCMS, which is not necessarily bad. I mean, I, I, I was once a conservative Republican back when libertarians were considered conservative Republicans. Yeah. They were called Reagan Republicans back in the day. I but, think uh, now we're called libertarians, apparently. Yeah, well, you know, stand still and you'll be called something else soon enough. I'm but I, I think liberal. I think it reflects the times. Uh, you know, our our listener here talks about the fifties through the seventies. That was a time of of concern for social justice, concern for social action, very community oriented kind of stuff. Okay. Uh, to be conservative at that time was to be um, basically on the side of the you know the war in Vietnam and things of that nature. Um, today, uh, the political climate is much more polarized and different. It's polarized in different directions today than it was then, and I think that the church politics or the political side of the church is probably more galvanized around issues like the life issue, the yes. abortion issue. Uh, which was not part of the conversation in the 50s to the 70s. And so what I think drives a lot of the, what appears to be republicanism of the LCMS is is the life issue. I think that really put us squarely on one side of the political spectrum, regardless of the other stuff. I concur. <laughs> That's all you have to say on that? You concur? I, you know, I don't. I don't really... Remember the 50s and 60s, because I wasn't even around until the mid-60s, but, um, you know, you look at the at the climate of the culture, you had civil rights going on, you had, yes. uh, you know, this was before the days where abortion was legal on demand and that sort of thing, 
And uh, so I, I could imagine there being many uh, LCMS Lutherans standing up for, for the civil rights. Right, I or probably... even being against the war, because, yeah. because that war was morally questionable. And, right. and there was a lot of questions that needed to be put on the table. And so I think the, the, the political spectrum was much blurrier uh, with right. regard to Christian values. If you bring kind of a Christian ethos to the political square, you could end up on a vari- in a variety of places in the 50s through the 70s. Today, it's more difficult because what, kind of, what are the defining issues? Um, it's either gay rights, gay marriage, life issues, abortion. Right. These are these, and this is tougher. I think this is a much tougher thing, politically speaking, for uh, people whose um, personal morality is guided by their faith, their Christianity. And so I think that's why it's happened. I don't think it's a post-Seminex thing. I think it's a cultural shift. Yeah, I agree. I do I think agree. there's a post-Seminex difference in the way that uh, the Missouri Synod approaches matters of, of scripture, interpretation, and their ease or their unease with biblical scholarship and what, what's going on basically in the world, the biblical scholarship. I think we're more suspicious today of the whole area of textual criticism, historic criticism, biblical scholarship than we were back in the 50s. Some would say we weren't suspicious enough back then. But if anything, I think we're a little cozier with the more the biblicist, fundamentalist way of looking at the scriptures today than we would have been back then. Yeah, I I have to agree with you there also. It seems that uh, scholarship in general, and by that I mean knowing the other side and being able to articulate it and actually ponder it and uh, tinker with it a little bit, uh, has become very suspicious behavior. And, uh, you know, if, if you look into things like higher criticism, and maybe you actually find there are some merits in some of the statements made by people who were higher critics, uh, but not necessarily imbibing deeply in that belief, you know, you, you are, it's quite possible that you'll get pegged as some sort of liberal. Yeah, you know, it's kind of funny that uh, in, when we went to the seminary, I was the seminary between 1986 and 1992, I sometimes uh, say this, and I say this provocatively, that I think I got the best post-Seminex education, or I got the best pre-Seminex education in a post-Seminex synod, yeah. because my teachers were really all of that prior era, and so they were rather comfortable with using the tools without necessarily going whole hog into the ideology. You know what I'm saying? So right. there are literary critical tools, there are text critical tools, there are historical critical tools that are useful to any ancient text. And you know, the scriptures are at some level an ancient text to be, to be interpreted. But uh, today, there's sort of a guilt by association. You can't use that tool because that tool is evil, or it's associated with this school of thought or that school of thought. Rather than looking at the tool as a tool, it's not like saying you have a bad router or a bad wrench, or you could commit a murder with a hammer, so you can't use a hammer. Well, there's use and misuse. I think you compound all of this with the fact that people can't debate and distinguish between a topic and a human, where because Bill Swirla has a defective router, therefore Bill Swirla is defective. <laughs> yeah, and he he's must a defective be marked person. And avoided, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, right. I mean, we we just have to avoid him altogether. 
uh, because clearly his router is a symptom of his character. You know, and, and so they, I long for the days of Ronald Reagan and Tip O'Neill where they could do battle all day long and get together in the evening and share a scotch and actually like each other. That is an amazing thing. That, that you can be on opposite sides of the political spectrum with respect. Yes. But I think you, you've, you've hit the nail on the head. What, what is the problem today? The problem today is the inability to even entertain a thought you don't agree with. That somehow like your mind will be polluted if you think a thought you're not permitted to think. And I remember that saying from Aristotle that the mark of an educated man is to entertain a thought he doesn't agree with. Well, in just basic argumentation and debate, your goal is to be able to articulate your adversary's position more clearly than he can. Well, yeah, to the point <laughs> to the point where he can't argue with your presentation of his position. Right. This leads to something that I see over and over, and I think that, that social media, Twitter and Facebook, amplifies this, is the use of ad hominems that you argue against the person— rather than the thing that's being argued. So you have to belittle the person. You have to destroy the person's reputation. You have to call into question the person's intelligence or integrity, rather than looking at the position objectively and analyzing it. And the other problem is straw men, that we yeah. argue against positions that don't even exist. Well, it, you compound all of this with the wussification of America and, and the Western culture on top of it. Oh, are we going manly man now? No, it's it, come on. Ad hominems are fun. They aren't a real debate, but they're fun. They're intellectually and, weak. Yeah, but to be able to distinguish, hey, you know what? I'm busting your chops here with an ad hominem. Now let's get to the real topic. You know, people just get all all hurt and wounded, and, and they go screaming for their safe place and all that. Look, let's face like, it. Come on, deal with it. These, we're, we're guys being guys here. Relax. You used to be a political trickster, and, and, and you know that the way you persuade people is emotionally. Yeah. And yeah. because people, all of us, we're just, we're lazy. We're intellectually lazy. And these are lawyer tricks. These are what lawyers use to persuade uh, a bunch of random jurors of a very complicated case. They use ad hominems. Oh, you can't trust that person. He smells bad. And they use straw men arguments. They misrepresent the position and then shoot down the position that they've misrepresented. You know, we see that in our circles. They talk about yeah. these preachers who don't preach the law. Who doesn't preach the law? <laughs> You know, I mean, I, I'm always suspicious whenever a pastor, one of our crowd, basically talks about the crisis in preaching. It's like, where are you on Sundays? I don't know about you, but I don't get out much. I have no idea what's going on in the world of <laughs> preaching. Well, you compound that with the fact that if you've been around for a while, you'll find that a lot of times liberals are more legalistic than conservatives at times. Well, each of them you has know, their own form of legalism. Right. So, I mean, you want to say that they aren't preaching the law? Go, go listen to them. You'll, you'll get bogged down with law that isn't important to God or, or even your neighbor, but you'll get bogged down with law. Well, I'll, t I'll tell you exactly how it goes down, okay? And so and, and there's legalism on both sides because the old Adam can be conservative or liberal. He doesn't care. It's whatever you are that will justify yourself and your actions. Right. And so the conservative old Adam accuses the other of you don't take principles seriously enough. You know, you're violating the principles. You don't care about the truth. 
you all you care about is being loving or this and that, but there are principles, there are rules, there are laws. That's that's the conservative old Adam, self-justifying. See, the liberal version of that is you don't care enough about people. That is, you're just in it for yourself. You right. don't care about people. And all you care about is, is, is your rules and keeping everything pure, but you don't care who gets hurt in the process. And there's an element of truth in both of those. Hmm. But yeah. there's a lot of self-justifying going on. And that's, that's, I think it's not so much the Seminex crisis. It's, it's a change in climate. And the church's so. climate is always going to reflect the climate of the world that it lives in, too. I also think that there's—and I know we're getting a little bogged down here, but there's, there's a topic—there's there, a situation here that's kind of like the witch trials, you know, where, where when people cannot defend their position, you, you just start trying to destroy people. Well, again, and, it's and a lazy Instead of defending argument. your position, it's, you know, the, the politics of, of destruction. Politics of destruction. Take yeah. no prisoners. Yeah, and it, it it happens in the church every bit, if not more, than in the secular world, where I don't want to. Well, I don't even want to look at because you're an abomination. Let's well, face it. So let's let's you know you're an abomination. Therefore, I don't even want to look into what you think. Okay, you know, so, so so you get this kind of stuff where the God whispers are evil. Well, yeah, keep, that's true. They, that, they no. keep spewing all this garbage. Well, have you ever listened? No. But well, we're, I have su- a we're subversive. Who did. We're subversive. Okay, we'll we'll admit that. But and and if you have a problem with us, we'll be happy to have you on the show. Okay, third microphone. Anybody that wants to be on, go ahead, have at it. But listen to the some Cashion p- Diaries are fine. We don't fine name names. Example. We don't name names. Excuse me. Yeah. But I was going to say, listen to past episodes, and you'll see how well <laughs> how well this goes for you. But we've been doing a lot of complaining, like a bunch of middle aged men, about the condition of the world. But what's the what's the prescription? What's the cure to this? This is the diagnosis. But what's the cure? How do you how do you rescue the rhetoric? Whether in church or in the in the public sector, the public you know the public square, how do you rescue things when people are 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 doing this? They're polarized in this way. What do we, what do we do? Well, there are a couple different ways of dealing with it. One is you speak the truth to it uh, boldly, and the other one is you you make fun of it. <laughs> You point and laugh. And call each other names. Absolutely. Well, yeah, no, no, I mean, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm not going to take you, you serious. You go full on Roseanne Barr. Well, there you go. There. No, no, no. No. I, you, or who's, you just, that, who's that other unfunny comedian that just got in trouble for saying something naughty? Uh, B. I don't What's know. What's her name? She's some kind of like backwater comic on, on, on the cable. But she got in trouble for insulting uh, Ivanka. Oh, I don't know. You know, you know, you know the problem with I Facebook. Can't keep up with you know it. the problem. Social so sensitive. Social media course. reduces all of public discourse to the junior high playground. Pretty much. He called me a name. I can't talk to her. She she talks to so and so. She has cooties. You know, and this is where we're at. It has reduced society to the level of the the junior high playground. Yeah, pretty much. So I think I think the prescription I have is listen. And if you can't summarize another person's position and find what's right in it, so so look at look at the thing that you oppose and find what's right in it. And if you can't, you got to keep working at it because there's nothing that's purely wrong. Okay, it can have a lot of wrong, but look for what's right. 
and and identify that and then move into the analysis and leave your emotions at the door. They don't they don't help. Well, yeah, but it's easy for me to just get emotional. Yeah, well, that's you. <laughs> I think we need to transition at this point. I, I've got to just say one more thing on this. Please. Uh, W.E.B. Griffin writes all of these books that I love, uh, World War II books and all sorts of stuff. Anyway, uh, he says over and over again, the measure of a man's intelligence is the extent that he agrees with you. <laughs> there you kind, go. kind of seems to be the way of things. Yeah, he's a so, smart man. He agrees with everything <laughs> I say. Uh, let's. Um, I think we need to switch desks. Let, let's go yes. to the uh, wacky religion desk. Oh yes, we got some good stuff here. This is a nation that obeyeth not the voice of the Lord their God, nor receiveth correction. God's elect know the time when judgment day is coming. But the unbelievers, they don't know the time. God has commanded... That never gets old. No, it's, it's, it, it's the gift that keeps on giving. So, TV evangelist, name and claim it guy, <laughs> Jesse Duplantis, Louisiana oh, oh. televangelist... Why is it always the South... I don't Why? know. Well, I shouldn't say that. We've had some we've had some wacky religion on the West Coast too. Well, yeah, yeah, that's true. Do they ever have wacky religion in the Northeast? Well, it's kind of the the home of Unitarianism and that sort of thing. That's, but that's polite. That's not it. Doesn't wacky. seem to be this outrageous, weird stuff as much as unbelief in the guise of church. So what is our friend Jesse? What's he up to? So anyway, he's convinced that God wants him to own his fourth private jet. Praise the Lord. And he's calling on others to donate toward this lofty goal. Nice. Uh, he is. He he needs a DeSalt, I, I don't know if I have pronounced that right, Falcon F7 luxury plane. That's I want reported one. to be worth at least $54 million. I deserve one. And uh, it's it has seating for up to nineteen, and they can more efficiently spread the gospel with this. Wow! And quote: I really believe that if Jesus was physically on Earth today, he wouldn't be riding a donkey. Oh, that's what. <laughs> <laughs> How do you know this? Think about it for a minute. He wouldn't he'd be, be riding in an airplane, a... preaching what? the gospel all over the world. But I don't know if he'd be on his no, own airplane. No, he wouldn't. Here's why. It's very simple. You can refute this biblically. Last words of Matthew. Lo, I am with you always. <laughs> oh, I see what you did there. There you go. There yes. you go. So we're we're done. We're we're done with it. He wants to buy he wants to buy a high end luxury jet. Yeah. Um it's it, uh he's got seven hundred thousand followers on Facebook, almost as many as the God Whispers. Uh, <laughs> We're doing but, uh, something wrong. <laughs> anyway, we've got we've got a brief clip oh, of Jesse. Okay, yeah, we we yeah. need to let me make sure my volumes are up here enough. Hopefully not too much. So here we go. Hello everybody. Next week on This Week with Jesse, we're gonna be talking about these three airplanes that we have owned and preaching the gospel with. They're still in full-time ministry. So don't miss next week because we're gonna talk about the new one called the Falcon 7X. See you then. Bye-bye. All right. He owns three. He he owns three. He apparently, uh, there are three other pastors that are using his own uh, or his other three, or at least. uh, So uh, anyway, um, Creflo Dollar asked donors to pitch in $300 each 
to help fund his $65 million Gulf Stream. So I think Jesse's thing of, what, what did we say, $54 million? That's really economical compared to Creflo Dollar's $65 million. You know, and all we wanted was 4K for some broadcast equipment. You know what? We didn't name it and claim it big enough. We need to name it and claim it bigger. You know, actually, this is this is what hamstrings a lot of Lutheran fundraising and stewardship in general is we don't have that hook. And the yeah. hook is this. You give, you get. It's quid pro quo. See, so, you know, Osteen does the same gambit, is, is that if, oh, you, yeah. if you give generously and implied but not said to me, although this guy's actually saying to me, if you, if you give, then God will give you in abundance, you know, full measure, spilling over, all that stuff. Let, let's, let's try it, Bill. If you give us, the God Whispers, $54 million, we will guarantee that you will be abundantly blessed more than you give with wonderful, wonderful podcasts from the God Whispers. You know what we ought to do? I, I, I just heard this on the way in this morning. Uh, Warren Buffett is, is auctioning off lunch with Warren Buffett. Huh. Yeah, and I don't know how you have to cough up a huge amount of money, and I think he's raising money for some kind of cause. He's into causes these days. But, but lunch with how about lunch with the GW? Yes, hundred thousand dollars. Hundred thousand. We'll come you, have lunch. With you, you fix drinks. I'll cook the meal, and we'll have lunch. Lunch with that the sounds, GW for a cool hundred grand. You know that's a bargain. But we don't have the quid pro quo. We don't have the transaction. What do you mean? It's simply basking in the glory of the GW. No, I'm saying that when That's we when when a we gajillion dollars. when we pass that offering plate, when we yeah. stick the oh. hand out, when we're trying to make budget, you know, my congregation's about eight K under budget. We're not over budget. We're not, you know, we when we do that, we can't make this claim that if you give generously to the church, to me, to the GW, then God will reward you even more than what you give. People buy into that. And all it takes is for like one out of a thousand or ten thousand to win the lottery or sell the business or do something. And everybody's on board with that, that promise of getting by giving. I'll never forget there was one of these, I, I don't remember, I think it was Tilton. And they'd have these videos of people who were abundantly blessed out of their giving and one of them was a mailman who had hurt himself somehow on his job, and there was a clerical error, and his $40,000 settlement or something like that became like a $40 million settlement or something like that. <laughs> and so this is how God has abundantly blessed him. Ding! That uh, because he believed and he gave out of his poverty— Praise the Lord. God gave him all these— mil- Now, I'm sorry, but I know how the government works— they will issue you a check for $40 million, but they'll finally catch oh, up with that. Oh, and they'll want interest. And, and they will. They'll want interest on top of it yeah. all. You know, so, uh, you know, you, if the government makes a mistake and sends you a check for a few million dollars, don't go spend it because they'll they'll demand it back and they'll put you in jail if you don't give I, it back. I, I, that's, yeah, that, that's right. <laughs> then you'll discover some religion. Yeah, I'm thinking, nothing like federal minute, you, prison to get religious. I'll tell you. You just sold. You just stole millions of dollars, basically, and and you didn't even you didn't even notify them. So let, let's parse this. What would Jesus drive theology? Yeah, that, that if Jesus were here today, and it's not like he's not here, but he doesn't need transportation. Um, 
he he wouldn't be riding a donkey. Let's go back to the time when he did ride a donkey. Shall I'm thinking we? 14 passenger van, so he, he could take the disciples and Mary Magdalene along. <laughs> she seems to pop up all. So over the when place. he needed a donkey, he didn't he didn't set up a fundraiser. He didn't do a GoFundMe. He didn't say give to my donkey fund and God will bless you. He borrowed one. Recall that uh, the master has need of it. He said. <laughs> <laughs> case of donkey jacking right there in the middle of Jerusalem. I'm surprised I'm surprised that the disciples weren't just kind of like uh, you know, knocked beat up and knocked left for dead after uh stealing the donkey, but but that's he borrowed it. Right. He bar so so if we're going to follow through on that, he shouldn't be buying a plane, he should be borrowing it. The master has need of it. You know, I think he would ride spirit air. Oh, Billy. <laughs> That's a rough ride from what I understand. <laughs> I, I've heard nightmares on that. That's, yeah. Although Southwest yeah. isn't doing too good in terms of public relations these days, it seems like. You just kind of tune. There was a time when I'd tune into the nightly news to see what would Trump say. Now I just tune in every night to see what some Southwest flight attendant says. It's just amazing. I haven't been keeping up. What's what's going on with Southwest? Oh, it's just endless. They just insult passengers. They the the latest one was if if I got the story straight is they questioned some mother of a of a of a mixed race child whether the child was hers and they wanted a birth certificate at the gate. <laughs> yeah, it's like she stole the kid. All right. <laughs> yeah, wow. Yeah. This is why yeah. I hate flying. See, so I kind of understand Jesse's sentiment. If I could if I could have in a hangar, I, I'd be happy with a Learjet, which is a bargain at the price. If I didn't have to queue up in line at Southwest, I'd I'd be I'd be giddy. I'd be ecstatic. This would be great. But I'm not sure I can claim that the gospel is being preached more effectively because I've got a private jet. You know, I don't know much about private jets, but I just want one with a bathroom. <laughs> It's got to have a flushing toilet. Yeah, and 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 one that doesn't have. You ever notice? Do you fly much? Uh, I used to when used I was to. doing missions. Oh, oh, stuff, that's right. When you're on modern mission, you were you were like jetting all over the country, trolling for dollars. Yes. But you, you ever notice how those restrooms are always occupied? The, well, you have to go. Before they have the drink service, yeah, the good point. That's right, right after the snacks and drinks, done. There's this mad rush for the. That's a good point. John. Yeah, you got to time it right. And then there's this kind of like gray area where the seatbelt sign is still on. You haven't been given permission to move about the cabin, but the flight attendants are passing out drinks and snacks, so it's okay to move around the cabin. Right. At that point, you can run the two quoqua argument if they try to sit you down and say, hey, but you're up. You know, you should talk. Pot, meat, yeah. kettle, kettle, meat, pot. Of course, that will get federal marshals at the other end of the flight. So, And you have to be careful, I've noticed, too, that the, the overall tone in flying has gotten nasty. You need to check out this... Uh, this show called LA to Vegas. Oh. It's 
Okay. It, it's pretty hilarious. What is? Does it take place in the air or on the ground? Yeah, it's it's this jackpot airlines. It's this cheapo oh, okay. airline that flies from L.A. to Vegas. A bunch and, of drunk uh, gamblers just going. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. It, it just it's a show that writes itself. It's, you know, it's I have fun. I have to say that when my Southwest flights to the Midwest run through Las Vegas, there's a whole different vibe on that. Oh yeah, flight. yeah. There's a nice party going. Oh on. man, it's eight thirty in the morning and the drinks are flowing like crazy. People are spending drink coupons like there's oh, no yeah, tomorrow. Oh yeah, you got the bachelorette party with the woo girls in the back. Oh, I had you, one you of those. All, I had a bachelorette party spill onto a flight one time. That, <laughs> that, that was an experience. I'm you just have you. to adjust your attitude and go with it. Yeah, no, yeah. go go with the party. That was more fun than, than when I had an, a WNBA team board the flight. The, those were just very, very large Amazonian women. But yeah. the bachelorette party that was still <laughs> on about an 8.5 out of 10 on the intoxication scale when they <laughs> when they spilled into the airplane, that was a rowdy flight home, I'm telling you. Oh, yeah. And that was a morning flight, so heaven only nice. knows what was going on with that one. Yeah, yeah, probably been at it all night long. <laughs> well, you know, Vegas. This 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 trolling for airplane dollars. This is a page out of Oral Roberts' book. Remember back when when oh, God yeah, he was taking himself in the tower. Yeah, and God was taking a hit out on him unless he raised. I think he only wanted like ten mil. He wanted yeah, but ten mil for inflation. Is it really that much different? He wanted ten mil, or God was going to kill him. And I'm thinking, hmm, to live is Christ, to die is gain. Let's do him a favor and not give him money. <laughs> This is back at my vicarage. I thought even then I was clear-headed about these things. I knew somebody that worked at a little regional airport uh, in Tulsa. And Tulsa is kind of the belly button of the Bible Belt. Okay. And, and he said, you wouldn't believe the stuff that goes on these private jets for these, these, these big shot uh, celebrity type preachers. I mean, they own art. They have jewelry. They have, one reason that they fly private is they just don't want people to see what they've got. Because these ah. guys, these guys, uh, these guys are living high on the hog. Do you see the mansion that that guy who wants the airplane? Do you see the mansion that he lives in? Oh no, but I could only imagine, especially being in place like Louisiana. And these guys are the guys you, who are not, going to you're screw. You're not California prices there. That's no, sure. well, but they're going to they're going to screw the clergy tax breaks. Yeah. yeah, nobody, nobody yeah, cares about you and your Royal Ohana room or, you know, me and my bungalow. But this guy's living in, in, in this huge mansion, and now he wants a jet. Well, no, he wants his fourth jet. His fourth. I, I'm, I'm assuming that the other three are leased on a regular basis, huh? To these other pastors, yeah. What would Jesus do? <laughs> I think well, you we're— You know, it's, it goes to the parable of the good steward, you know, the—, the Parable of the talents. Right? Wise, foolish, and Rather. greedy, right? So yeah. I think we're toast on this episode, Greg. Yeah, yeah, we're done. You can like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. You can see the full archive of God Whispers Genius at GodWhispers.org. You can email us at GodWhispers at gmail.com. And do you have the Skype number handy, Craig? Yes, it's 593, I'm sorry, 626 area code 593-7713, which we know means or spells Manly Doctors 13. Manly oh, 13. that's it. Thank yes. you for listening. <laughs>